Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. especially Romans 6. Romans 6 has been a, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's been one of those watershed moments, they used to call those, or something. But going, uh, studying Romans for a lot of years and then going back into it now and doing it fresh and new to try and give you something fresh and new. Because I, I don't, I'm not one of those I can go back and pull out the old message and give it to you again. I'm just not, it just makes me feel, I get bored with it because I, I like to research and study. And so going back to different sources and going back into it, I'm getting more out of Romans 6 this time than I had the previous, and it's like, duh, of course you are. You know, of course you are because you're, you're doing what Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved you know and it's not oh, I want approval it wasn't anything like that it's just that he likes to show us things I believe in that that image that you shared Randy that he likes to show us things about how he feels about us and give us a way um, I've had my heart set on this for a long long time because I was uh, did you get a life verse from the Lord at any time in your life. Do you know what I'm talking about? That was really huge, like 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Or it, in, the, in the beginning ages of the charismatic movement, it was really big. Did you wait on the Lord and he'll give you a life verse? Well, he did that with me. I really did do that. And I did one of those weird, I didn't know how to do study or anything. I didn't know how to do Christianity, but I was sitting with my back against an old hand pump at the kennels back when I was still in the Air Force and, and handling a, a police dog and I was on break and so I had my back up against this old hand pump that was out there and I said, Lord, just show it to me, you know, and I, and I threw the Bible open, right? And it flew open and I wanted one of these, you know, and, and you shall preach the gospel, you know, and you shall do all, you know, and they shall hear in their eyes, you know, I knew it was going to be something fantastic. And it was Psalm 90, verse 12. And it said, and so I had an older Bible, it said, So cause me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. You know, I was, I think I was 24 or 25. I was like, cause me to number my days that I may, you know, and it was, make sure that you're counting things as you go through life and make sure that if anything happens that you learn wisdom. And then that ended up, it really did end up being a life first. I didn't understand it at first, but then it sent me on a journey. I always wanted to learn. That gave me a hunger for more and more and more and 
more, and I even used to teach it when I taught leadership stuff, you know, that God's looking for one thing. He really is. You can study it out in the scripture. He wants the heart of a learner. He wants somebody to go, oh, Lord, I want to know more about I want to know, you know, it's the old uh, vineyard prayer, more, Lord. I, you know, it's that. He loves that about people. He loves that we have learning hearts. And so I've been getting so much out of Romans 6, and I want to try and give you something very, very practical that goes with the stuff that we've been learning. So whether you do it or not, it doesn't matter to me, but I want to give you something today to take away, to take home with you. So if you didn't get a bulletin, you might want to grab one on the way out, or because it's, it's got five different things I'm going to have you do. But let's start with right here. So uh, past couple weeks we did, we talked about the reign of sin and how it's dead. The reign of sin is actually over with and, and dealing with sin. And uh, it goes to then Romans 6, 14 and through 18. We're going to read it together. Uh, Paul says this, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Here's a key, here's a key, key verse, this verse 14. For you are not under law, but under grace. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, there's so much there. It, it is one, it, one of the key revelations that Paul is trying to get through by writing this in Romans 6, because I can guarantee you, if you're not stunned and changed and growing and learning, it's because you haven't understood this verse. It's because you've been trying to do it under law. And you're not under law. We'll explain that more in a minute. So he says, now he's not just reiterating the, first, the question that he did at the beginning of Romans 6. It looks like it, but it's not. He's saying something completely different. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Uh, some translations say, God forbid. And then you come to the next really hinge words. Do you not know? Remember what I said about a heart of a learner. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slave to obey, you are the ones slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that you were, another key word, slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. Now notice he's not saying, I need you to obey, I want you to obey. He said you, what, what tense is it? Past tense. You obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Now none of us like the word doctrine for some reason. It reminds us of something too much, maybe like school or learning or Ooh, doctrine's a hard word. You know, it's not like a soft, warm, cuddly word. You know, let me wrap myself in doctrine. You know, uh, it's a, it's a, huh? 
it's a learning word. It's a, I got a, it's a penetrating word. It's even a heart, the, the sounds of it, doctrine, are difficult. But it's so important. And I think that the enemy, if he can convince us that we don't want to learn about doctrine and we don't want to learn about theology, which theology is just the stuff, what do you believe to be true? When we say those things, we're cutting ourselves off from learning something, the heart of a learner. And you're not gaining in wisdom. Paul wrote this so that people would understand the gospel and so that they would begin to use the gospel to then live their lives. We all say we want to live by the gospel, and then we spend most of our time, 80% of our time, dealing with not sinning. Hello. We spend much of our lives trying to tell ourselves how to avoid that and how not to do it, and then when I do do it, to make sure I confess it, one, to God, two, my accountability group, three, to the person I hurt, four, to me, five, wait a minute, there's got to be more than that. And you start going through these machinations in your life, and guess what you've just put yourself under? And you're not under law. You were delivered. The doctrine of grace to which you were delivered. He said you, you were brought out of all that in such a way that you were actually designed to live under grace. Would he write this exactly the same way to us today in the words that seem so difficult to understand? We have no way of knowing that. But this is not hard to understand. And we've tricked ourselves into it because we do it under law and then we say, it doesn't work, I don't get this. And it's frustrating and you just get kind of on. And so you got to blame somebody. So you go, I'm sick of church. I'm getting nothing out of it. I've read the Bible 40 times and it's still Greek equations to me or algebraic equations. It doesn't make any sense anyway. I'm tired. And so then you just start, yeah. And then you forget it, and then problems happen, and then you got to blame somebody for the problems, and you're a Christian. So, well, wait a minute. It's either my fault or the devil's fault, or it's her fault or his fault. Or, oh my gosh, now I'm going to be mad at God, because if he really was good, he would have done this. This must be his fault. do these machinations because we're trying to process this stuff in a legalistic way that has nothing to do with receiving how to live in the gospel of grace. So, you have to do a little bit of review. Uh-oh, this clicker thing's not working, you guys. Well, if you can go to the next slide. Okay. Now, the old self did what? Died. Thank you. The new self was born. What did the old self die to? Sin. And now, the new self is therefore alive to who? 
In what way? Not dead, not under bondage, not sinful, but alive to God. And Paul said to her, and this is what we were doing last week, present yourself alive to God. That's the grace way of doing Christianity. And he tells us this, not just in, in the book of Romans, look at what he says in Ephesians 2, and I, I skipped verse 3 because I just want you to see how, like, whenever something's repeated, it's really important. And you, he made what? Alive, I'm alive, not dead. Who were dead, how? You were something and you are now Say it with me. I am alive forever. Nothing can take this from you. Christ birthed himself into your being. You are alive forever. I had a cold all week. You are alive. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit, Paul writes later, that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? Oh my God, but God. This is stunning. You know, he says, but God, in verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us to live together with Christ, and then he, by grace you have been saved. He wants you to live by grace. This was the doctrine that he said, the doctrine that was delivered to you. This was it. This was his doctrine. You are saved by God's favor. God loved you enough that he became you. He died not just for you, but as you, and he was raised to new life so that you could have his life. And be fully alive. Which means a whole lot of other things. Oh my gosh. So, what you have to do with something like Romans 6 in order to grasp it and say, yeah, I've heard this a thousand times before. Well, listen to it for a thousand and one. And before you hear it this time, just say a little mini prayer, even as I'm talking to you. And do it this way. See it fresh and new. As a wisdom and a learning issue. See, I've read Romans 6. I've read Romans, I've listened to seven messages. I've read Martin Lloyd-Jones. I've done all this. Because this is what I was doing this week. And then I listened to somebody I haven't listened to before. And I went, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Don't look at it to defend or prove what you already believe. We have a habit as Christians, I understand it. It's not even a bad habit. But there's this thing of like when you start reading stuff and you've read it before, you read it to confirm that which you already know. But what if you said a prayer and say, Lord, show me something really fresh about this. Just like you had happen, Randy, with seeing your granddaughter. He wants that same thing. He goes, I'm going to give you a granddaughter and you are going to get a fresh revelation of how my intimacy works and how I love. We can do that with the scriptures. We can do it. We can say, Lord, before I start reading this, just 
open-eyes. Is that scriptural? It's kind of fearful because I don't want to be led astray by any false wind of doctrine or anything. Then do it through praying Ephesians 1. This was Paul's great high, every, every prayer movement thing that ever happened knows that the Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. This is Paul's great high apostolic prayer. Now, this is what Paul prayed for you and I and the generations to come, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that means seeing something new, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. This is you going, show me, and this isn't wrong. Have you ever been frustrated with Christianity and you go, I can't get it to work? It doesn't work. I did what I was told to do, and I did it seven steps more, and I did it for a long time, and I am frustrated and worn out. Well, when the partial gospel has worn you out, try the full gospel. Try the full, the rest of the gospel. Let, you, let, your, let your soul come into a place of rest over it and reread this stuff and go, Show me. That's not an illegal question. Instead of saying why, why God is this happening? What if you just said, show me? I just position myself. Just show me. Because I, I listen. I'm, and you, you can put your, your truly humble or your false humble things on. Going, I'm a dim bulb. I don't get this. Whatever way, but reach out to him and say. Show me. And then set yourself to be attentive to look for those things. And, and say, and that's what I want you to do as we go through Romans. This is what it's supposed to do. I shared in a death. This is Romans 6. With Jesus so that I share in a resurrection of a new life. With Jesus so that the reign of sin is over and the reign of grace is a reality. Remember the, the hinge verse that I said, you have to see this. You're not under law. Now get rid of all your legalistic arguments and your thing that's saying, but the law of the Lord is perfect. Stop. Stop doing that. And instead say, show me what it means to be under the reign of grace. Not discounting, not mad at the law, not saying, I'm not going to be a legalist, I'm going to do whatever I want. Stop all those arguments and just say to God, show me what it means to be under your grace. And begin to see what happens next in your life. Just take him at his word. Say, if this is really the gospel, and, I'm, and I am what Paul said... I'm under grace. Would you show me what that means? Because he said, do you not know? 
there's a point in time that you have to say, I don't know. I mean, it's the famous words of every 13, no, no offense, young people, every 13-year-old on the planet has at one time used the words, I don't know, mostly when they got caught. Why'd you do that? I don't know. We think they're being bad and just resistant, but they really didn't know why they did it. You know, sin makes you stupid. How many times did you do stuff that you didn't know why you did it? A couple? Yesterday? <laughs> this morning on the way to church. Ooh, why did I say that? You ever see the words come out of your mouth and you're going, no. Why did I? You know, and it's just you can tangibly see them roll off your tongue and watch the pain come into that person's eyes. Well, I'm not a great man of discernment, but I can tell the way I said that offended you. Really? Listen. We were designed, you can go to the next slide. We were designed to live under the reign and rule of grace. That's Paul's response to the being alive to God. He said in the previous verses, present yourself alive to God because then you will be under the, under the reign of grace, alive. A righteousness, you live to God, you don't sin to get grace or to get more grace. That's why he said, God forbid. That's insane legalistic thinking. If you're seeing it that way, you're still under the law. When you use that argument, either over other people or yourself, you've now just put yourself what? Under the reign of law. I can tell you where it will lead. Either one, to sinning, or to self-righteousness, which is a sin. I live now in grace, under grace, to be free of sin's reign over me. Can you hear that? Grace sets me free from the reign of of sin. It does not have control over you. It does not have authority over you. But as long as you spend more time trying to control it, guess what? You will keep dealing with it. Well, you're playing a mind game. No, it's not. Not when grace and the love of God and your relationship to him as a grandchild resting in his love. When that happens, it's a game changer because suddenly the stuff you want is the stuff no longer under law, but you want the stuff relationship under grace. Is this making sense? My wants become different because I was once dead in my wants, trespass and sin, and now I am alive in God in my wants because I want God. He made me righteous, so now I want to be 
righteous. If you're convinced that you don't want to be righteous, you've put yourself under law and you will keep being unrighteous. You've submitted yourself to something that cannot get you right but only point out what's right and wrong. Is it making sense? So, I'm free from sin. Great. What does that mean, though? You are free to what? I'm free from the reign of sin. Well, one, I don't have to present myself to it. I have total authority. We're convinced that sin is really powerful, and unless you do a whole lot of things to protect yourself, it's going to get you. It actually has no authority over you anymore. It's, you've died to it. It cannot reign over your life. The second thing is as you, you present yourself alive to God. Now, this is what that means. Well, here I am again this morning, God, and last night was a mess, and I just keep doing the same stuff, and I'm so sorry, God. I just, I don't know how to break free. Would you empower me by your grace to break free? You're using the law to try to get grace. And he says, that doesn't work. You're not under the law. So how do I present myself? Alive to God. Here I am, God. Now this is Romans 12. I present myself to you this morning holy and blameless in your sight. That I am a righteous person on the earth. And that that's how you see me now. And my eyes get cloudy. And when I don't see myself that way, I do something that's not myself. Help me to see myself and to live fully alive the way you see me. Try it. These aren't just empty words. They're the words of life. Try this way. Walk ye in it. To live a holy and blessed... I, I am free not to unrighteousness, not to sin. I am free actually to live a holy and blameless life. And then suddenly other things start happening. I get content. Oh my gosh, I actually get joyful. I don't have to carry burdens anymore. I can be happy. What are you burdened for? Nothing. God loves me. Aren't you worried about your, nah, I'm going to trust God with it. I can either let the mistrust eat me alive and put my faith in what may or may not happen, or I can put down a flag of trust that says, yeah, it's you, God. You, you own me by your grace. You bought me. You purchased me with it. So I'm going to lavish myself in grace. Now, you just did what the scripture said, not the other way. You just humbled yourself before God, and guess what he gives to the humble? I always thought that meant you had to tell God what a terrible person you were so that you could get grace. He's saying, no, tell me you're fully alive. I'll give you grace. Because then you're humbling yourself to the way of the gospel. Is this making sense? We've been tricked. And we've tricked ourselves. So don't blame anybody else. This is you. Go to the next one. Do you not know? By the way, 
way of saying that is, do you know? That to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So, here's questions to ask yourself. What am I doing here? Do you know and believe that you're alive to God? You have to settle that question. It sounds so simple and easy. This way it's easy. Do you believe that today? Remember, you were that form of doctrine. What do you believe? Not just about God. What do you believe about you? If you believe in God, you do well. James said devils believe that. They know God exists. God wants you to believe about him and in him. There's power in the name of Jesus. I'm not disputing any of that. But what do you know about you in Christ? In grace. In the grace of God, fully alive. Or do you diminish and hold up a cardboard placard? Look, here I am, God. Perfect. Yeah, pretty, pretty two-dimensional there, kid. I've seen that picture before. I've died right over top of that picture. Do you believe, and remember the Romans 12 thing, and I'm, I know I'm jumping around, but this is so key. Do you believe that you are transformed, not conformed? And be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're going to tell your mind something. I, I'm the righteousness of God on the earth. Now, which is submitting under the law and which is submitting under grace? To go and tell him, oops, I did it again and I can't ever seem to get this right. So you've just done your negative confession, your humility thing about how bad a person that you are. And so you want God to agree that you're really bad and give you some sugar to help make you right again. Yes? Doesn't work. He died once for sin. You're presenting something that's from the grave. Present your identity alive to God. It's the only way to escape the stuff that you think's killing you. you're not under law. You can't get it right through the law. The old you indeed. So this is always the argument about this stuff. The old you wants a license to sin. I want it. Trouble is I sinned without a license. Do you ever do that? Oh really? Turned 16 and wanted that Corvette. Didn't have a license yet. I drove the daylights out if you think that you need, that you have to find the license to sin, well, I'm going to use grace because I know he'll wink, 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 wink. You can't play a game with God. He's not a fool. He goes, yes, it's still the law. That's just another form of it. The new you wants what? What do you really long for? I know what most Christians say this. I long to be... Jesus, 
That's a right longing. That's actually a right desire. Oh, I want to walk in relationship. I want to hear your voice all day. You ever prayed those things? I prayed them a hundred times trying to get it under the law. I'll obey so I can hear you clearly. Position yourself to hear. Obey so that nothing's in the way. I was doing it backwards. The old you only ever wants self. The new you wants God. I can't think of anything better than spending the whole day with God. Hey, Mikey, you can do that. Matter of fact, he's with you all the time. We just celebrated it. God with you. Here's what legalism does. It sees the law as providing the moral restraint to keep you from sinning. That's anti-scriptural. The law actually is the means by which sin is empowered, is what Paul wrote. It receives its power from the law. Grace provides not the restraint. Now look at this. This is you've got to you've got to embrace the whole thing because this is the whole gospel. Grace provides not restraint, but freedom to be exactly who you are in Christ. Grace tells you, <laughs> I did it for you. God looks down at you and goes, Little Ariel, I love watching you sleep. That's God's view of you. He doesn't go, ah, Chad, I sort of liked you yesterday, but today, mm, buddy, we got some things we got to work on. Well, if you'll have you work on anything, it's how to receive his grace, which is the power to change. That's really what's in here in chapter 6. Legalism binds, grace makes free. The law empowers sin, that's 1 Corinthians 15. Grace empowers a true identity, that's Romans 8 too. When you embrace this, do you not know, is what he's saying. So here's what we do. Many believers live out secretly defeated lives. Because we try to live our new identity under the law. That's why Paul wrote this. Why he said, you're not under law. The reason he gave the warning with it, do you not know, is because that's what we will do. He ministered this gospel of grace to people. Legalists came behind him and said, uh-uh, you got to do this, this, and this. And he's going, do you not know this? Let me share it with you again. That's why he repeats himself in Romans 6. And they're saying, I'm saying do whatever you want so you can get more grace. That's not how you get more grace. That's how you get more futility. Because that's not really grace. That's the... You've turned grace into an equation. You obeyed. You already did this. When you received Jesus from the heart... That form of doctrine which you were delivered. I don't know if you've ever gone through a deliverance ministry thing. Uh, I've tried to cast a few devils out of myself. 
was delivered from death into life. Christ was judged as me, and I am now a free man to live completely in relationship and love to God. Nothing can steal it. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can hinder it. Nothing can stop it. I can wallow in it, and I can believe who I am. And there's no law against it. There's no law against that kind of love. Remember what he said? Against this, there is no law. There's no law against the gospel. You can't turn it into legalism. And when we do, we're frustrated and angry. For you are not under law, but under grace. So we have Christians. I was taught most of my Christian life how to try and be a Christian saying I was saved by grace and living under law to make grace real. And it didn't work. Frustrated and angry. When am I going to get this right? And he said, oh, in yourself? You can never get it right. I got it right. I, I got it completely right. Oh, by the way, I'm going to give you a gift. Here's my rightness. Will you receive it? But I don't deserve it. Will, will you receive it? You don't even have to tell him you don't deserve it. He knew that before he came. So, exercise. You ready? Now, you're going to have to do a little research with this. I don't know what the heck you're struggling with. It might be faith issues. It might be relationships. It might be a health issue. It might be your pet. It might be a spouse. It might be the lack of a spouse. It might be this. It might be that. It might be green eggs and ham. Whatever it is, instead of putting yourself under law, Go to the scriptures and find out what it says about your identity. Most people, and I, I was joking, but most people struggle with the self-worth issue because they can't, they've been taught to have a good identity or a right identity in Christ, but they never go the next step and put them under cells, under grace to receive it. That's what I'm asking. Write out five things about who you are now, not who you were, not the dead person, what the scripture says, who you are now as a believer under the rule of grace. Five's too many. I'm stuck on number one. Okay, stay with one. And then take all week, remember he says present yourself alive to God. Just present yourself. This is a two-minute prayer before you go to the cubicle. This is a drive-in. This is a wake-up-with-coffee. And just say, God, I present myself alive to you today. And under grace, I am. If you're dealing with, we, had, we were talking about perfectionism in our group. Under grace, I'm perfect. Is that really so? Well, you better go to Ephesians and find out says before the foundations of the world he presented himself to you blameless before Mount Everest was Mount Everest 
He was taking you and presenting you to himself perfect. How's that work? I don't know. He's God. I've got a good amount of wisdom, and I don't get that one. That one just makes me start snotting and crying. I go, and then they want to argue about predestination doctrine. I want to go, oh, God, shine something in my heart to see this. So I quit looking at myself the wrong way. You see why this works? I've used this one. I've used this for the past three years. Lord, how the heck come I can't get it right? alive to me by what I say about you, not by what you say that I say. Not what the law says, what I say in my grace towards you today. Alive? Whole? Man, if there's anything I see, it's all of us are broken, right? How come he doesn't fix all of us? He did. The Lord showed me something last week, and I, I think it's not just for me, so I just want to say it. Um, and if you think I'm nuts, that's okay. But I was talking to him about some things I would, had been believing for and saying out loud, and, and he just stopped me and said, you put your faith in faith. You spent a lot of years putting your faith in faith, and that's just another form of works. So... Um, I don't know who that's for, but if, you, if you've gone years and years struggling with this or that or, you know, something that you wanted, someone changing, someone saved, whatever it is, if you put your faith in your faith, um, you just slid into works and, and he just, he wasn't mad at me or anything. He was just like, just put your faith back in me. Just just tell me you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're, what to, how to pray, but that you know that I've got it. So just said it again put your faith in faith and it became works so this isn't any kind of correction or anything it's just it was almost like he just said now just step here just like right into this light now you've got the light so it's good to have the foundations of truth in our life and i'm not attacking anything that you've learned from the past please don't hear that this morning i'm not trying to undo stop doing it the other way in the way of frustration in the way it just goes okay let me let me just try it your way i prayed for your way now i'm thinking that that was me doing something it's just here that's the gospel there's only one thing you can do with the gospel and it's receive it let it let it penetrate in there let it you don't have to wrestle with God anymore I'm wrestling with God I'm under his discipline you know baloney you don't like you and you can't seem to get it right
have to wrestle with God and won. I'm just really quick. I just really think that this is what uh, you were referring to a couple weeks ago when you talked about reckoning yourself dead to sin and alive to God. And by our, our agreement with that is part of what we mean by reckoning. And I think it's significant that, uh, and Diane's been talking to me about this for years and years and years. She calls it her I am prayers. And it's interesting that God's name is I am. I am who I am. And by saying his name, as we're proclaiming his truth, we're agreeing with him and reckoning ourselves. You have to respond in your own heart. I just want to pray for us again for a revelation of this. When revelation and faith kiss, oh, something happens in you. God, we pray Ephesians 1 again. Let the eyes of my understanding, I don't have to be some brilliant theologian, smart person. I just have to be who you say I am. You're the I am. Let the I am be me. Let him, let him wash through me in such a way that I begin to see this and learn how to live under the reign of grace. I was designed for this because I was designed by you for you. And yes, I tried to find my happiness outside of that. I did Adam and Eve. I was delivered, and I now have a form of doctrine that says Christ and I are one. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit, one spirit with him. He's told us that in 1 Corinthians. I openly, openly, unashamedly in front of other people said, yep, yep, I'm yours and you're mine. So tell me what you believe about me. Show it to me in the scripture that I can bring it back to you every day this coming week. And I can say the prayer that under the reign of grace, I am. So help me, God. In Jesus' name. Would you stand? Now, may the Lord bless you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son,